Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, as promised here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, we have one podcast for you this week to recap what happened in Detroit against the Browns, and then to look at what's going to happen on Thanksgiving in Detroit once again. Sal Capaccio here, along with Matt Bovee. We are once again outside a very snowy One Bills Drive. I mean, this is a lot of snow, but I will say, great job getting the roads cleared. The North Towns and the South Towns is such a drastic difference right now. This was my first time in Orchard Park since the storm last week, and to see these piles of snow still piled outside of the stadium here is insane, considering we are a couple days removed from it. I mean, I left for Detroit on Saturday morning. I probably had four or five inches where I live, and then I got into Canada to drive there, and there was nothing. So to see this is wild. And considering... All of the challenges to know that they are here today. We are on a Tuesday. We're recording this for you outside the facility. They're inside practicing to get everybody here at the facility to have a normal practice is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. And I mean, if you look at the practice fields, like those still haven't been touched. There's a reason they're practicing inside. It works out for them because they're playing another inside game this week. But I just am thinking back to last week. And I know that there have been people out there who are like, why didn't they leave earlier? Why couldn't they have played the game in Orchard Park? And now I see firsthand. I don't know how you could have played a football game out here. There's just every parking lot we see besides the main one out in front of the stadium is covered with feet of snow. And even if you had multiple crews working on this, I don't know how you clear this up anytime soon. Thankfully, there's not another home game until December 11th against the Jets, and we are going to see some temperatures in the 40s. There'll be some melting of snow, but then they can obviously clean out the stadium as best best as possible, and I'm sure they will do that. The other thing that strikes me is, and I've been saying this, Matt, but just reiterates it today by seeing this, the reason the team didn't stay in Detroit is exactly because of what we just said. They're here. They're able to practice here. They're able to get around. There's no reason. It would have been way more chaotic and you know, frustrating to try and put things together in Detroit than just being back here. Yeah, it's almost like a regular week now, and I That's understand right. it's coming off of such a strange circumstance last week, but you're almost on a level playing field with the Lions a little bit. I know the Lions are playing at home, so you've got to do the traveling, but you come back here. It's such a quick flight. It's probably, what, a 35, 40-minute flight actually in the air. The tailwind, it did take us, I think, exactly that, 35 to 40. And the way there, I think it took us 50 to 55. Oh, my God, that's unbelievable. (laughs) So, I mean, you get home in 40 minutes. So these guys were probably home on Sunday night at 7 o'clock, 7.30. They have a normal Sunday night. They practice on Monday, very probably, like, walk-through-y, just considering they play the game the day before. 
you get a full day of practice in tomorrow. You probably do a walkthrough tomorrow. Then you fly out to Detroit. So it makes sense that they came back, especially because it was such a short flight. If this was a situation where they had to like play their game in California or something, then maybe you just stay out there. But because it's such a quick flight, it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, you just reminded me. We got a flight to Detroit tomorrow already. All right, it's already uh-huh. Tuesday. Got a uh, travel day on Wednesday. All right, let's just rewind for a moment to go back to Sunday's game. Let's recap that very quickly here. Very stagnant start for the offense. They then turned it around. They scored on six straight drives. Eric Wood on the uh, radio broadcast, color analyst, former center, he actually predicted and said during pregame, it was interesting, he said, you know, a lot of times in situations like this, you might have a slow start because you just don't have the reps in the game plan and you got to figure out what's happening. Well, I think it was a combination of that and they just weren't playing well. It was the worst I've seen this offense in a long, long time. I mean, nine plays. They didn't have any first down, so three straight three and outs. I believe they only had 12 total yards. They looked like they were broken and they really kind of did until they had a first down finally. It was a little dump off to Dawson Knox. It was third and long. He threw it over the top. Dawson Knox was able to get the first down by kind of breaking through a tackle and that sparked them a little bit. They ended up kind of like falling out after that and then at the end of the half when they went down the field and they scored the touchdown to Stephon Diggs. That was so needed and I do think it speaks volumes. They settled for six field goals. They didn't really start clicking until the end of the first half and they still scored 31 points. Well that goes to the fact that I was digging in some drive stats. This is amazing. An amazing stat. I I can't believe this is like uh, it's got to be pretty unique. The Buffalo Bills actually lead the NFL in drives that have ended in turnovers, 17%, but also lead in drives that have ended in scoring, 48%. They lead the league in drives ending in scores, but also in drives ending in turnovers, which speaks to what you're talking about. The only way they're stopped is by turning the ball over and stopping themselves. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's the thing. It's such a cliche when you go into the season. It's like, oh, what can beat the Bills? What can beat the Bills? Well, up to this point, the things that have beaten the Bills have been themselves, and that's not to discredit the teams they've lost to, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Vikings, but if the Bills play a normal Bills caliber game, those games, they're winning all of them, and they're an undefeated team. Now, that doesn't happen during the course of the season, but one of the things that I keep hammering home to people is that you would rather hit this lull now than later, and we've seen that with this team. They've been able to kind of get through these little tough patches, and I think that's really all this is. Now, there are reasons to be concerned. I don't think the offense is as as dynamic as it was last year. They don't have as many weapons as they had last year, especially out wide. Gabe Davis has made some drops that I think he's capable of bringing in, but... I do think that they're going to hit their stride, and I still think they're going to be one of the contenders at the end of the year. The offense was stagnant. Josh Allen was not good. He was misfiring a lot of passes early. Maybe the elbow, maybe the lack of practice and reps and things like that. We can point to all of those things, but Matt, once that two-minute warning happened, he had that big throw to Gabe Davis, and then Josh really turned it on. From the two-minute warning of the first half on, 14 of 17 for 170 and a touchdown. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like He played a really efficient second half, and I know that they left some meat on the bone, especially in the red zone. There were some mistakes that were made, but I think that was a get-right game for Josh Allen to an extent. There's more good to take away from his performance than bad, and I understand the start. A lot of people would be like, what is wrong with him? This is four straight games where he has struggled, I don't necessarily see that way. I think it really is an important trait for a football team to have to be able to win a game when you don't play your best and I think that starts with the quarterback and after a really slow start, he was able to get him down the field, he was able to score, and then he was able to control the game and I do think they used it a bit as a confidence builder for the run game because the Browns can't stop the run at all and I don't think all of a sudden the run game is fixed by any means but I do think confidence comes into play here and I think they'll be able to have a little bit more confidence especially with James Cook and with Devin Singh 
Singletary after the performances they had. And Singletary, to me, he's just been very consistent this year. I think he's been very efficient. Maybe a down game here or there for the entire group, but I think he's been very good. James Cook is the key. The confidence he showed. I think the way he ran with the vision he ran. I, I think James Cook is starting to turn the corner. Yeah, he looks dynamic. He looks like he just brings this offense an element that they haven't had in a while, which is weird because I have been banging the why isn't Naheem Hines being more utilized in the offense drum basically since he got here, and they didn't really need him in the second half of the game the other day because James Cook was so dynamic. He busted off a bunch of big runs. I still think James Cook has some things that he needs to improve on. I don't think he's a massive threat just running up the middle or anything based off of his size, based off of his skill set. But I do think they have a more dynamic one, two, and three running back option than they had with Zach Moss. Now you've got Singletary, you've got Cook, you've got Hines. I think they all can do something a little bit more, do a little bit of a higher level than Moss was able to when he was here. Let's just touch on the defense from Sunday. What an amazing job on Nick Chubb. I mean, here's a defense that had been run on a bit and some concerns there over the last several weeks going back to that Green Bay game. Obviously the fourth quarter, last drive against the Jets, and then you know one run by the Minnesota Vikings, otherwise not too bad, but boy, for Nick Chubb to come in here, averaging 5.6 a carry, 100 yards a game, the Bills held him to less than 2 yards a carry, he had one 12-yard run outside that, mat. 13 carries, I'm sorry, was it? Yeah, 13 carries for 7 yards. I think that was it. Like, less than a yard, a running negative, basically, outside that one run. It was maybe the first play of the game, offensively, but the Browns, I think, did a screen pass to Nick Chubb, and he took it for a really big gain, and I remember I was looking next to, I was sitting next to John Scott and Josh Reed up in the press box, and I asked them, why don't they just give the ball to Nick Chubb like every play, whether it's a screen pass or whether it's a run? And they both kind of laughed and said, yeah, there's people in Cleveland who think that they need to give it to him even more than they already do, but then the Bills were able to stop it. Now, they didn't completely shut him down in the passing game. The screen pass kind of bit the Bills a couple times, but I also think it was by design. I think they were making sure that if somebody was going to beat them, it was kind of like, okay, we are going to stop the run this week. We're going to make Jacoby Brissett be the person that beats us, and he made some nice throws. He had a nice game, but I almost think that was by design. It's the same thing with the Packers the other week. Their thought was, okay, you want to take these big chunk plays on the ground? That's fine. We're going to try not let Aaron Rodgers burn us. This week, it was the opposite. It was, okay, we're going to stop the run, and we're going to make sure that Jacoby Brissett is the guy who's trying to take over, you know, go over the top. All right, I want to talk about the secondary in Cleveland, but I want to tie that into this week and what's happening here at One Bills Drive and what the situation is. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, outside One Bills Drive, the Ad Pro Sports Training Center, and the Bills are practicing inside as we are talking to you and recording this Always Games Day in Buffalo podcast. Still, Tredavious White not playing, and we don't know what's going to happen this week, but I thought it was interesting that Sean McDermott's quote on Wednesday, on Tuesday, excuse me, said, we're all encouraging Trey. He's climbed a big mountain, and we'll see where it goes. It still, to me, sounds like it's more on the player than the team. I would think 
that it would be a really big mental hurdle to come back and play a Thanksgiving game after you tore your ACL on a Thanksgiving game the year prior. In a dome. In a dome. So a lot of crossover there. That being said, they have not ruled him out up to this point. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. He did practice. He's not on the injury report. So at this point, it we just don't know. So many people want to know what's going on with Trey White. What's going on with Trey White? I think at this point it feels more like the ball is in his court than it is. the. Now, the team's never going to throw him under the bus. Sure. The team is never going to say that we think he's ready to go. He's not playing yet. They're going to say this is a team decision. It just feels like eventually they just need to rip the Band-Aid off and take the next step. And, you know, it's it's a really complicated, confusing situation. I thought we were going to say tr- see Trey against the Vikings. Just the way he was holding himself in the pregame against the Jets, it felt like that was kind of trending in that direction, and then we didn't. Now you come to a field that has some questions about the turf quality on Thanksgiving after you hurt yourself, mm-hmm. but then you're waiting until December. If you don't, if he doesn't play on Thursday, then he's not playing until the Patriots on Thursday night football. And that, I just, it's it's a really weird situation. And there are people who thought he'd be ready for the season. I mean, not, I not necessarily in the building. I would say just fans and media speculation. Chris Godwin came back from a torn ACL. We saw that, and every situation is different, we know, but still, no answers yet on when Tredavious White's going to return. He is still on the active roster, and he's basically a healthy scratch every week. And also, they really miss him. That was very evident against the Browns. We know, I just said, that they tried to make Jacoby Brissett be the guy that beat him. Their corners were getting beat by Amari Cooper, especially in the first half, and you have to think that that's not happening, or it's not happening as often if Tredavious White is out on the field. So, I think when this team is fully healthy, Trey White is one of their starters. I would imagine then they have some sort of rotation. Maybe it's with Benford, maybe it's with Jackson, whatever it is. But he's better than what they have, even if he's not 100%, and it has been a year at this point. It's was just a few weeks ago, I know I was personally saying, wow, they're a, they're a plethora of riches in the secondary and at cornerback. It doesn't seem like that anymore. I mean, they did have their struggles against the Cleveland Browns, and I would say this. Dane Jackson and Christian Benford both seemed to be in coverage a couple times, but didn't get their head around. Great job by the Browns receivers to make good catches, get their feet in bounds, but you're right. they Those guys... Right now, I think you could say could use a little bit of help, and maybe that's even Kyrie Elam coming back. We don't know what his situation is. Also, though, I would say Jordan Poyer being on the field was a big, big help on oh, Sunday. Jordan Poyer difference. There were a couple yeah. plays that I think even on that second drive when it looked like they were going down the field, he comes across, he knocks the ball out. I think it was Najoku who went up to make the catch, and he just hammers him right when he was going to catch the ball. The ball pops out. It forces a third and long. I think the Bills forced a punt on that play. That's the Jordan Poyer difference. Those are the plays that happen when he's on the field that they weren't getting when he wasn't. I think we've both been really impressed with DeMar Hamlin up to this point. I think moving forward, it feels like if Jordan Poyer's healthy, it's going to be Poyer and it's going to be Hamlin, unless they have some sort of rotation, but those are going to be their main starters there. So we'll see what happens, and of course, the Lions have Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a very good player, very good receiver. They're actually playing pretty well on offense, very good running offense. We'll see how the Bills try to load up and stop uh, that offense and Williams and what they have going on in uh, in Detroit. Just really impressive so far with three straight wins. They went to the New New York Giants and beat them. They are going to also have to stop the run without Tremaine Edmonds, apparently, because once again, not practicing. He hasn't been ruled out officially as of the taping of this, the recording of this. I thought Tyrell Dodson was okay against the run. The Bills as a team did, but not very good in coverage. Mm-hmm. Where I thought that's where they missed Tremaine last week. Yeah, and I think this is one of those games that really does show you the strengths that Tremaine Edmonds has because there were a couple plays that were had by the Browns that I don't think it made with him uh, with him on the field. So Milano, a freak of nature. Amazing. He's playing out of his mind. He's one of the best linebackers in the NFL right I now. I really believe he deserves all pro. 
I do too. He won't get it, but I think he right. I think he does deserve it. I mean, Jordan Phillips was saying after the yeah. game, "Why don't you guys talk about him as the defensive player of the year?" And it's like, okay, well, let's pump the brakes <laughs> because that's not going to happen. But he does not get nearly. And I still don't think if you talk to the casual football fan in insert city like Detroit, if there's somebody from Detroit who's a Lions fan who's listening to the podcast right now, they're probably like, "Who's Matt Milano?" Or I've heard that name before, <laughs> but I don't know how good he is. Matt Milano has put himself in the conversation as one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So. Regardless of who they use, whether it's Dodson, whether it's A.J. Klein gets out on the field, we don't really know. I think Milano can kind of hold down the fort in the middle there. All right, let's take a look at the uh, opponent this week and what's going to happen in Detroit as the Bills head back to the Motor City to take on the Lions on Thanksgiving. All right, Matt, earlier in the week on WGR, we had Will Birchfield on. Uh, He is from 97.1, the ticket, our Odyssey sister station. He said he thinks the Lions have maybe the worst linebacking core in the league, basically. Well, that tells me another game where maybe the Bills want to get back to running the ball against what has been a porous Lions run defense. But we were also out here and saw Josh Allen. Big news, no sleeve, no brace. He was throwing some passes. How do the Bills attack the Lions? What do you expect to, to see on Thursday? Screw running the ball. Attack the <laughs> secondary. I want this to be a Josh Allen get right. And no game. Jeff Okuda, by the way. He's gonna. That's a good young corner who's got a concussion. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm saying I think this is the game when Josh Allen gets right. Maybe he makes a mistake or two. It took them a little bit to get clicking the other day. But for me, if you're the Bills, that's how you attack this. You take your bread and butter, which is supposed to be your passing game. You let the run game sprinkle into the mix, but you let Josh Allen go out and be your best player, and I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I think that they need to attack through the air because the opportunities will be there to attack through the air, but I like the fact that they're leaning a little bit more on the run game where they can, and they showed the ability to last week to maybe take a little bit off Josh Allen. Look, at this point, we all thought, you know, Josh, front runner for MVP. Like, that's that's not the concern anymore. It's, it's not about Josh Allen and statistics, and I'm not saying anybody here would think that, but now it's about winning football games the way you can, and if they can run the ball and do that again against this team, that's what they need to do. Tyler Bass Six field goals last week. Great job. Tied the franchise record he set as uh, as well as Steve Christie. But it is going to be a challenge against this run, this uh, Lions run game, and that's where I think they're going to have to make sure the Lions don't get any success because that's how they can control the game. This is a weird one because you look at the Lions, and the Bills are big favorites, and the Lions have had their struggles this year, but they have rattled off three straight wins, and offensively they can do a little bit of everything, and I know people are like, oh, it's Jared Goff, but Jared Goff is still a capable quarterback. I think Jared Goff is better than Jacoby Brissett was, and Jacoby Brissett had a really strong game, but then you look at their two-headed monster at running back. It's not like you can go all out and stop one of them because the other one will have success against you. So I think the Bills need to have kind of a more spread out plan of attack. I think they have the playmakers to be able to do that, but I wouldn't write off the Lions at all. I know it felt like Sean McDermott was kind of sending that message today too. I don't, oh yeah, I don't know where that narrative is coming from. That like this is just a game that the Bills should absolutely run away with because I don't feel that way at all. I think the Lions are a pretty good sneaky team, and when you throw in. The environment, you throw in Thanksgiving Day in the afternoon in Detroit. I think the Lions are going to give the Bills all they can handle this week. All right, so it's been the tri- this will be the trifecta. The Bills played on Thanksgiving in the 4 o'clock window mm-hmm. against the Dallas Cowboys in 2019. Then last year they do the night game at the New Orleans Saints. They're two for two. Now they get the afternoon game, the early afternoon game in Detroit. They've had success in this situation. They've had success by having these games kind of altered. I think Sean McDermott does a very good job. And by the way, proof last week, all the things, all the chaos they went through, they were still able to you know, get to Detroit. I do find it interesting, and I think it's very smart. The Bills aren't changing anything, Matt. Same hotel, 
visitor sideline, visitors locker room, even though they were, the home, they were the home team, they want everything to be as routine as possible to get this back to being a normal week. Can I make an observation? And sure. This is just based off of what you just said, and this isn't even something we were planning on talking about. I think back to the first Thanksgiving game, the game against Dallas in 2019, as the moment when the Bills became this Bills team. Like this, I agree. This was the turning point of, okay, you're that team that's on the up and up to, okay, you're a team that's probably going to be here for a while. And it was not the same team, certainly, in 2019, it was really great defense. Josh Allen was trying to limit the mistakes, doing just enough to get them to the win, and the defense was really carrying the load. I know that has changed since, but I feel like ever since that moment, the Bills have been more in the spotlight, not just here locally, but really all around the country. I remember turning on the TV after that game, and it was, did the Dol- or did the Cowboys lose this game or did the Bills win? And the consensus was the Bills are pretty good. Like the, At that point, the Cowboys were reeling. Nobody knew what was going to happen with their coaching situation with Jason Garrett. I remember in the game, I think they went for it on like fourth and one on their own 20 in the first half, and people were like, wow, Jason Garrett's really going for it. But to me, that was the game when this team became one of those teams that's going to be in the spotlight now for honestly as long as Josh Allen is in the league. They're going to be one of those teams that's always talked about, and that for me is when the light switched was that Thanksgiving game in 2019. All right, let me ask you. So now you'll be in Detroit. I'll be in Detroit covering this game. It's a 12.30 p.m. start, and in the press box, I'm sure they're going to have turkey. At about 11, 11.30 a.m. What are we thinking about that? Well, I appreciate that they're feeding us, and I appreciate I mean, I would assume they are. I would think they do Thanksgiving every year there at this time. The Dallas spread was unbelievable. Oh, amazing. The New Orleans spread, hey, thanks for being great hosts. But, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to say anything more than that. I'm sure the Detroit spread, because they do it every year, is probably pretty impressive. That being said, after this year, Let's cool it with the Thanksgiving games for a little while. I think maybe Bills fans feel differently about that. Maybe you can host a game on Thanksgiving. That would be amazing. I understand why the league keeps doing it. The Bills have become must-see TV. I mean, they put up the ratings. People are going to watch the Bills. People are going to turn on their TV just to see Josh Allen and the Bills play. Because for a lot of years, this first game, the 1230 game, it's always like some random Lions quarterback against some other random team. And you watch it because you have fantasy football players playing or maybe you've got a better two, but you're not actually that interested in the game. This time it's different because the Lions are on the up. The Bills are obviously the team that they are. So, yes, I will be enjoying the Thanksgiving food. The early Thanksgiving food? You okay? with doing it that early? Yeah, I'm okay with doing it that early because it's still enjoyable. I also will not like go overboard or anything because at least for me, my plan is to kind of celebrate Thanksgiving on Friday mm-hmm. with the family. So doing it back-to-back days seems like overkill because there will still be Thanksgiving leftovers had on Saturday because I'm doing Friday. So if you do Friday, Saturday, three days in a row of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes, that's, that's a lot. All right, and then obviously the Bills aren't the only game on Thanksgiving. So real quick here, that game you just talked about, like, okay, well, the Lions, like, you kind of way you look at that early game. That's why I'm looking at the late game. It's Giants-Cowboys. Like, whatever. We'll be flying back. I'll be in the charter. I'll be following it along, but I don't really care. The night game is interesting. Patriots-Vikings Thursday night. That's a good game for Bills fans to watch. Look, we're all hoping the Bills win, right? I think you're listening to this. You probably are. If the Bills win, they're actually back in first place by a half game in the AFC East with Miami still to come against Houston. We know that. They'll probably retake it. But then that Patriots-Vikings game becomes very, very critical for the Patriots. And if the Bills lose, the Patriots would actually 
tie the Bills with a showdown coming up next Thursday night. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't even think about it that way. I do think that this is going to be an opportunity for the Vikings to bounce back after yeah. just getting their team Agreed. kicked in against the Cowboys. And I know the Patriots are coming off of a win, and they've kind of, I think they've won a couple games in a row now, but I don't think they're doing it in an overly impressive fashion by any stretch. So I think this is kind of a get-right scenario for the Vikings. And to me, it feels like this is an opportunity for the Vikings to get a win. If the Patriots fall, then they're kind of fighting for their lives, regardless what happens with the Bills game next week when they come to New England. All right. Well, we're going to try and come back at you next week around the same time, but uh, we want everybody to enjoy their Thanksgiving and their Black Friday and maybe their Sunday full of football all afternoon. That's like, that is the good thing about Thanksgiving. You can watch football. How Ohio State, Michigan Saturday, you got NFL on Sunday. That's the good thing about playing Thanksgiving. Yes, that is true. Also, did you mention USA England? There you go. You go ahead. You're you're the bigger soccer guy than me. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't know anything about soccer. I know, like, I love the pageantry. I don't really follow it. No, I love watching the World Cup. It's just me too fan. I think that it's like I found myself nervous watching the game against Wales, even though I only knew like three or four players that were actually out on the field. They call it a pitch sale. They call it a soccer. No, pitch. That's right. A football pitch, not a field. But yeah, I was sitting there nervous. So that will be, I think, a really fun one to watch the England USA game. And then, of course, you go into a big weekend of sports and then you've got a Sunday slate of football where you can just kind of sit back, put your feet up. Although I think Sunday of next week will almost operate like a Wednesday of a normal week. So the Bills will probably pl- practice on Sunday. We want to thank our director, producer, I should say, not director, our producer, who's always helping us out, Lucas Buckley. He does a great job. Happy Thanksgiving, Lucas. We appreciate all you do. We appreciate all of our listeners downloading, subscribing, however you do it, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you pod. Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio, it's always game day in Buffalo. Thank you so much. Want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody? Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who watches, who listens, to just anybody out. I don't even care if this is your first time listening to it. Just happy Thanksgiving to everybody. There's so much to be thankful for. We're so lucky that we get to do this for a living talk about sports, write about sports. It's really, really, truly a blessing. So every time once we get to Thanksgiving, I always, it stinks every once in a while being away from your family on the holiday, but when you take a step back and you realize what you get to do and how passionate you are about it, it's pretty fun. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. I hope you guys get to enjoy the day. Hopefully you've got a nice meal with family and friends and you enjoy the hol- the start to the holiday season. I'm already ready for Christmas though, baby. I know, <laughs> I know Thanksgiving hasn't even happened. No. I'm already just like, give oh, me yeah. to Christmas. Hey, me too. And I got, Max has his birthday in one week. So we got birthday, then Christmas. When's his birthday? December 3rd, okay. a week from Saturday. I'm the 27th. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my mom's the 26th. Look oh, at that. Yeah, All you Sagittarius yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. And I'm around here. All right. Well, have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you next week on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.